It's time to make the dough rise, the financial podcast with Brian Doe. Well, you know what time it is. It's time to make the dough rise. Walter Storholt back with you alongside Brian Doe, certified financial planner at Livingworth Wealth Advisors, serving the Lake Country and beyond. We're online at livingworth.com. Brian, good to catch up with you once again, my friend. How's life treating yeah, you? Yeah, going well. Everything's great. We're just riding out winter. Days are getting a little bit longer. Looking, looking forward to spring and summer right around the corner. Yeah, I was like looking around the other evening and like, oh, it's going to, oh no, I finished work and it's going to be dark outside again. And I went out, I was like, oh no, there's still a little sunlight left. Okay, good. It's yeah. nice to have uh, that opportunity to see just a little bit of that daylight at the end of the day after you're done working. I don't know, just something about that just kind of lifts the spirits a little bit, doesn't it? Well, the, for me, it's kind of unique because the location of our new house, I hit a hill right before we I get to my house, about a quarter, half mile before my house right after being down at the bottom of a hill. So it's like dark. And I, I look down this uh, fairway of one of the golf courses and it's getting all dark on the left-hand side of the road. And I come around the curve and I get to the top of the hill and the sun will be setting and there's still that orange afterglow. And with all the leaves off the tree, I can see through and see that reflecting off the lake. And I, I can tell, cause I go home about the same time roughly. And it, it's been dark for a month now. And now I'm going home and I'm getting these great sunset views just uh, reflecting and glowing off the lake. So we're, we're, we're turning the corner. That sounds really nice. Very peaceful and serene. Good way to start off today's program. Uh, we we've got a great now, show yes. <laughs> on the way for folks today, Brian. We're going to be talking a little bit of a, kind of a flashback episode, if you will. Uh, back to episode 18, we kind of talked about this topic a little bit, but that was like decades ago, Brian. I mean, that was at the very beginning of the pandemic. I think March of 2020, we had this conversation back in episode 18, talking about insulating your income plan from the market. Mm -hmm. And so we're going to talk a little bit on today's show about cash flow confidence and the turbulent times that we've seen in the market right now. Looking forward to opening that discussion back up with you as well. More details on that in a moment, but we also wanted to start off today's show with a little little news item, a little news nugget. Brian, what do you have for us? So yeah, you know they've been changing the IRA distribution rules, occasional tax code changes, and we all know the IRS lags a little bit, you know, the government's a, a little bit behind the curve, but an adjustment has been made because life expectancy, here's the good news, life expectancy has been increasing. Well, IRA distribution rules are based off of life expectancy tables. So the IRS has uh, caught up to the fact that people are living longer and, um, Insurance companies did this some time ago. They've actually uh, created insurance policies that you can fund all the way to age 120. So this this is not anything new in the industry. It's just you know new new for the IRS. If you go back and look at uh, the way the IRA distributions are calculated, I just want to point out here too, anybody listening, this isn't going to be just impacting people who are 72 plus, which is the new IRA distribution rule, but anybody that has an inherited IRA as well. So you could be in your 40s, 50s, 60s and, and dealing with an inherited IRA. So I have good good news for anybody that fits those two categories today. Well, the tables were standardized back in, I think it's about 2003. They, they finally got it uh, finalized and they gave us one uniform table for taking uh, IRA distributions. And it was based on the joint life expectancy of you and a presumed 10-year younger spouse. Say, well, I don't have a 10-year younger spouse. My spouse is actually older. My spouse is 
uh, only five years younger. Did, didn't matter. They they just said, we're all going to use this same table with the occasional exception of somebody that had an actual more than 10-year difference uh, between them and their spouse. There's a separate table for those. But this this captured most people. And then you, you remember during COVID, they changed the IRA distribution rule. Well, they suspended it for a year, and then they changed the age that you had to start taking IRA distributions from 70 and a half to 70 to 72. Well, now the factor to calculate the RMD has changed. So what, let, let me give you an example of what we're talking about here. Under the old tables, under the old uh, what, podcast 18, that was an eon ago in, in podcast time, a 72-year-old would have had to it would have had a joint life expectancy of 25.6 years, right? So the, they, they presume that one of the two of you would live uh, an average of 25.6 years. That became the divisor. So if you did one divided by 25.6, and bear with me on the boring math here, that would be about 3.91% of your IRA that you had to distribute, right? So on a million-dollar IRA, that would be a $39,910 distribution. Under the new tables, the factor is now 27.4 years. So you're expected to, to live about 1.8 years longer on that joint life expectancy scale. Again, good news. Well, that is a 3.65 distribution factor. So you could either take your IRA balance divided by 27.4 or one divided by 27.4 and you come up with 3.65%. And so on that million dollar IRA, you only have to take out $36,500. So there's several thousand dollars difference in, in, in a reduction in the amount that you have to take from your IRA. So that could be good news tax-wise. There, there may be a little window of opportunity that opens up that uh, you could do other additional planning or Roth conversions or realize some other gains or income. And... Uh, you know, so some people may say, well, what if I want to take more than the required minimum distribution? Well, of course, that's fine. It, it's your IRA. You can do what you want. You can always take out more. But if you're in a position where you don't need it, this is the amount that you have to take. Well, that percentage gap difference or, or decrease in the required minimum distribution, if you look at it over you know, the 70s and 80s, the biggest impact is really for people people in their late 70s, uh, even into your 80s, it's anywhere from a 7.4 to as much as a 7.98 uh, reduction in the amount of, of uh, distribution that you have to take. Now, way out at the end of the table, Walter, do you have any plans to, to go to 120? 120? Uh, no, no plans for that long. <laughs> well, if if you do, if you get to 110, I, 100... I may I may have the heart of a pig and the lungs of a horse by that point. You know, with medical advancements these days, so maybe maybe we're still ticking by then. I, I think it'll all be bionic by then. They'll 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 have grown. Uh, That's true. We'll have lab grown, like the lab grown meat. We'll have lab grown uh, body parts at that point. Right, right. Beyond heart valves. I like that. <laughs> uh, anyway, the the reductions out there are 8, 10, 15, 20, 30% even because the, the tables were set to really uh, have your IRA drawn down by about 110 to 112. You had to take out about half of it. So and, you know, that's not going to impact a, a lot of people. But on the shorter end, that's really good news for people who are are taking required minimum distributions. 
So now let's take a look at somebody who has an inherited IRA. And again, inherited prior to 2020. If you were 50 years old when you inherited that IRA, you had a life expectancy factor of 34.2 years. So what that meant was, is you would take the IRA balance divided by 34.2, and that would give you your required distribution. Each subsequent year, you would do 34.2 minus one, and then that would be 33.2, 32.2, and so on. Well, now that number has been revised for a 50-year-old to 36.2. So same thing, You're, you've, you've been on this older schedule, and, and so what do you do this year? You started on one schedule, now they've changed the rules. Well, you get to go back and, and switch to the new table. So you can go recalculate your required distribution schedule using the new 36.2 number. So I'm not, I'm not saying all this so that it, you have to go out and figure this out. I'm just trying to make people aware that this change has occurred. It's in your favor. And uh, it allows you to stretch out your inherited IRAs a little bit longer. It allows you to reduce your required minimum distribution if you want help calculating the number. And you know, depending on your specific age and, and circumstances, we'll break out the tables. I'll help you do the calculation. But um, yeah, it's it's actually uh, some good news. We'll see what happens. Was one of those things back in the uh, you know the, the I guess over the last couple of years we've been kind of tracking those small adjustments and changes to stretch IRAs, inherited IRAs, RMDs, and 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 the like as they've been kind of tweaking and changing these things along the way. So. Thanks for keeping us updated on uh, all of those little movements. And if anybody has any questions on that, you can always reach out to Brian Doe at 706-451-9800 or go to livingworth.com to schedule a time to visit as well. And we'll give you that contact information again later in the show today. And uh, also you can always check the show notes for best ways to get in touch. Well, Brian, let's get into the meat and potatoes of today's show and uh, kind of revisiting that episode 18. We we don't have to really, I guess, bring up that previous episode uh, tremendously since the landscape has changed so much since the beginning of the pandemic. But I know you probably have had a lot of people asking about the market right now, the volatility that we've seen, uh, wondering how to protect your plan, uh, wondering do we have confidence in our cash flow when things are this volatile and up and down? What's been your read on the uh, situation lately? Yeah, I've been having a lot of conversations and obviously with volatility being back, a lot of people are, you know, legitimately concerned and uh yeah, you know, most people I have pretty well trained or comfortable with their their cash flow, but it doesn't matter uh whether it was COVID and and this was actually a really good opportunity to to reflect on the advice we were giving in the middle of COVID because it was the same that I'm giving today and it's just a matter of having an approach to ensuring your cash flow so that you have the confidence to ride through the short or even intermediate term uh, market volatility. I don't want people trying to time the market, trade the market. And we, we've talked about people who are in accumulation mode. And anytime the market dips, you know, if you're dollar cost averaging into your 401k, you know, great. This dip in the market has given you a buying opportunity and that's actually going to work in your favor. But if you're in distribution mode, if you're in income mode in retirement, that volatility will turn on you. And if you have too much invested and you have to sell during a down market, you can actually inflict damage on your portfolio that will begin to eat into the to the principal. So what I've come up with is, uh, well, let's, let's do a quick recap first of 
of some market corrections or volatile events that we've ex experienced in recent time. Now, my, my first one was the dot-com bubble busting. Walter, you, you may remember back in the late 90s, we had been on a near uninterrupted 18-year bull market, and everybody was just calculating what they were going to do with all their extra money. And then we hit 2000, 2001, 2002, and then even in a little bit in 2003, we had three down years in a row. And anybody that was fully invested, this, this is the situation I'm talking about, where if you have to go sell shares in that dip, uh, you, you would have been you know, cut, cutting to the bone to, to make that happen. Well, then it took about two years to recover. So from peak to bottom to recovery, you're talking about a four to five year event. So if you did not have a strategy to weather that in place, that was a you know, very stressful uh, time for a lot of individuals. Of course, then we had September 11. You get these shorter events that, that cause a lot of volatility in the market. Um, that was, that one was, was relatively short lived. It was, it was kind of external to the market, but then we turned right around in, uh, 2008 and nine, we had the financial crisis, which was a true, I mean, that was a true financial crisis. That was actual damage inflicted to the financial system. It was a lot of misallocated capital and, and markets were down almost 50%. I had a lot of very white knuckled statement clenching meetings where, oh, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And uh, I had to break out the portfolio. And I said, you remember all that cash you know, that you didn't like uh, during the down market? You're actually going to love it today because we've got a strategy in place to get you through this. And so that crash was about, you know, it was a, a swift year, year and a half down but then it was a, a little bit slower recovery. But again, it was you know probably four years from peak to bottom to recovery. So what you're seeing on the long end of of these market corrections, they're about four. They can be a four to five year event. So you need to have a strategy in place where you can keep the cash flowing, keep your income going, so that you're not conflicted about, do I need to be selling? Do, do, do we need to get out of the market? You're not going to win in market timing. You know, I, I, it, when you look back on charts, you say, oh, if I'd have sold there and bought back there. And that's, that, that is super easy to do in hindsight. But we don't know what news event is coming around the corner tomorrow, right? Be the beginning of January, it was, we are dealing with COVID, we're dealing with inflation, uh, we're dealing with what the Fed's going to do. And then lo and behold, we've got uh, potential problems in Ukraine and, and all this negative news can, can weigh on the market for a little while. Not having a buy or sell discipline through those events can cause you to get overweighted in the market or be sitting on too much cash. You try to time the market. Most, most people miss it. You know, they get out at the wrong time. They they then feel like they've missed it. So then they wait for another correction. It's an age old uh, battle and it's, it's a psychological one that you've got to, to have a strategy for. Always battling those uh, emotions and trying to balance those things out can be difficult. And I think we've seen that over the last couple of months. Um, and, and this isn't the first time that we've seen this, right? Like the last couple of years, we've seen the beginning of the year have some uncertainty only to get, uh, although the rest of the year still stayed uncertain from a news perspective, the market seemed uh, to gain confidence. So 
I don't know if we're seeing that again here, but that has now kind of cyclically, is that a word, cyclically, um, given people pause or or caused them to kind of tap into those emotions again? Yeah, so if you look back at COVID uh, in 2020, if you put your statement away, or, or let's say you checked your statement January 1, closed the computer, turned off the stock quote feed to your iPhone, and went about your life, and you checked back in at the end of the year, 2020, you were actually up 16% for the S&P 500. Good year, right? We'll take that. But if you had tuned in and watched tick by tick in March, we were down 34%. So intra-year, you, you saw a 34% decline in the market. But at the end of the year, you were up 16%. I promise you, if you tried to time that, if you tried to react to that, you would have gotten it wrong. You would have panicked and sold at the bottom. And then you would have fret and stewed about when to get back in. And then you would have felt like you missed out on the recovery and actually a, a pretty good year. So, so even if these things happen slow or fast, my, my cash flow confidence formula is going to give you a strategy that allows you to, you know, ride these things out, uh, make sure your cash flow is intact for the long end of these corrections, right? So, so let's say four or five years is the extreme and what, six months or, or a year or two, maybe on the short end for some of these corrections. So, so what I always ask is this, this is how you, you approach it. Take your pension, your social security and your annuity payments that you've got coming in. And if you have a good high dividend portfolio with, with reliable dividends, that's not guaranteed, but it's pretty consistent. So you could actually add portfolio dividends to that formula. Now from that number, tally those all up, subtract your annual cost of living budget, right? What do you need to pay the bills? Keep the lights on, keep everybody fed, uh, you know, if you want to have some fun, make car payments, insurance, taxes, figure out what that baseline, you know, kind of survival or fallback number is. And after you've added up all your income sources, if you subtract the budget and that negative is not, if that number is negative, that's your cash gap. That's the number that you need from your portfolio up, down, or sideways. So ask yourself then, how many years do I want to insulate myself from that market volatility? Well, if you wanted to survive the dot-com bubble, it's five years. If you wanted to survive the credit crisis, it was four years. If you wanted to sur survive Corona, it was only uh, six, eight months. But when those events happen, you can go back and say, oh, I've got the cash on hand to last five years. And then if you really want to fortify this, build yourself a bond ladder for another five years. And so that way you can say, I've got an entire decade of predictable, reliable, you know, in the bank, money in a mason jar cash flow. So my you know, paycheck can, can continue and I don't have to get caught up in this emotion and, and what's this crisis and event gonna do We've worked through, if you go back on the, you know, the history of the market, there, there have been world wars, presidential assassinations, uh, oil embargoes, junk bond debacles, uh, Y2K, 
and, and then all the other ones that I've, I've mentioned here, every year there's something. Sometimes there's many things in a particular year. You can't predict what's going to happen, when they're going to happen, and never when any of these events happened, did it present you with a good selling opportunity. Quite the contrary, it gave you a good buying opportunity. So if you're in accumulation mode, like I said, the, you, you can try and buy on these dips. That's a fine strategy. But what you want to avoid, what your brains in your instinctive hardwiring is going to want you to do is panic and sell when the market goes down. And if you've got this cash flow uh, formula in place, you know that your portfolio is set up to ride through it. Your income is not going to be impacted. Your lifestyle is not going to be impacted. And when you look at markets over long 10-year uh, time horizons, your confidence suddenly comes back. Like you're, you're not so worried about your you know, broadly diversified, uh, you know, high quality stock funds over time. They, they have the ability to adjust for inflation. They have the ability to adjust to you know, whatever uh, negative things happen in the uh, economy or in the world. They have the ability to modify their products and adjust to new markets. And, and obviously that's you know, some of what you want to do with uh, you know, individual stock selection and uh, what sectors that you're exposed to. But building this formula will give you a hold discipline when the market goes down. It gives you confidence to keep your income intact. But then on the flip side, if the market is doing really well, you know, if we had a really good run like we've had the last couple of years, refigure this formula. And if your portfolio has exceeded your expectation and your cash confidence factor is, you know, whatever the number is, if your if your reserves have been depleted a little bit, that gives you a sell discipline to know when to take some money, to take some gains off the table and re-fortify that five, 10 year buffer from the market. This has worked like a charm through all the, the financial crises I've dealt with, uh, actual clients. I mean, I have real scenarios where clients who retired in 2006, seven, eight, we set this, this program up and in 2007, by what, early 2009, the financial crisis had hit and caused 20, 30, you know, even 40% dips to some of these longer term investments. And I was able to tell clients, you know, with confidence, don't, you know, don't panic. You don't have to sell. Let's ride this out. You've got a decade for this to get worked out. Yeah, and it did. And we ended up then selling those investments, right, that we bought in 2007 that may have been down 30%, we ended up selling them for 100, 120, 130% gains. No guarantee, you know, that that's going to, you know, past performance is no indication of future success. But if you believe in the system, if you have confidence in this country, the economy, and, uh, you know, commerce around the globe, you, you can you can sit back and, you know, kind of like your house, you're not going to panic and sell it because housing prices have sold. Oh, should I go sell my house because housing prices are down? No, you need a place to live and you're going to stay there. Or if you're, if it's a rental property, obviously you're not going to sell in a down market. But when you get an up market and valuations are high and you need to refortify your cash, this does it. This does the trick. It gives you the confidence, reliability, and, and cash flow to you know, sleep well at night through these events.
It's helpful, Brian, to see how when we get a plan in place and we have an idea of the direction that we want and need to go, uh, that we can put this structure um, you know, into action and lead us to better financial decisions. So uh, that's fantastic that you've got that plan, you've got that structure, uh, you've got some areas where that you can you know, customize from person to person for their individual needs, but it's all following kind of a, a tested and proven method. Uh, there's a method to the madness, I guess, is the uh, phrase that most people lean on during maybe uh, kind of explaining these kinds of things. And uh, yeah, that makes, and, makes a lot of sense. And, and, and let me just, it, it helps sure. to see this on paper and, and figure it for yourself and go through the exercise. So, uh, I think I'll, I'll come up with, I've got a little worksheet that I use uh, with clients. Maybe I'll put a link to that in the, uh, in the show notes if people want to get a copy of that and, and figure it for themselves, or if they want help figuring it out after doing the worksheet, how do you actually structure your portfolio to do this? Uh, always happy to help. Very good. Uh, check the show notes for that and uh, also for ways to get in touch with Brian as well. In fact, if you want to talk a little bit more about your particular situation, you can call today and get a free 15-minute introductory call with Brian. Uh, remember that uh, the team at Living Worth Wealth Advisors works with you to enhance your experience of life throughout retirement. It's not just about getting to retirement, but throughout your retirement. And the way that we do it is by improving the relationship that you have with your, in today's show, a perfect example of that, uh, the relationship that you have with your financial security. So if you want to have a conversation that revolves around that and talk about getting a complete planning review with uh, Brian and the team, all you have to do is call 706-451-9800 or even easier, go to livingworth.com and click book a call to do it on your smartphone or computer. That's livingworth.com. Well, Brian, great episode today. Appreciate your insight into these different matters and uh, we'll look forward to a new show next time around. Yeah, I hope it was helpful. Not too heavy, but um, definitely something that if you handle it, it will increase your confidence. So that's what I want people to experience. Absolutely. If anybody's got questions, don't hesitate to reach out. Otherwise, for Brian, I'm Walter. We'll see you next time on Make the Dough Rise. Make the Dough Rise is brought to you by Living Worth Wealth Advisors with a central office in Greensboro, Georgia, but serving the Lake Country and beyond. The podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all your favorite podcasting apps. Subscribe today and never miss an episode. Just search for Make the Dough Rise with Brian Doe. You can also visit MakeTheDoughRise.com to listen to recent episodes. If you'd like to contact the show or schedule a complimentary financial review with Brian and the team, just go to MakeTheDoughRise.com and get in touch through the website or call 706-451-9800. Thanks for listening to Make the Dough Rise. Investment advisory services offered through Main Street Financial Solutions, LLC. Information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accurateness and completeness cannot be guaranteed.